You're listening to an audio sermon by Pastor Bernard Milder from Household of Christ. We trust that you will be encouraged and blessed as you listen to the Word of God. I want to continue on the secret of a blessed life. For you to truly experience the blessed life, you need to know that I need you like you need me. That we are one another's strength. I need your strengths to become my strengths and my strengths to become your strengths. We need each other. This is the way that God has made everything. The the thumb is linked to the hand. The hand is linked to the arm. The arm to the elbow. The elbow to the shoulder. We need each other. We are one body. Amen. So Ephesians 4 verse 15 But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Bill Hybels, in his book, Courageous Leadership, he said that nothing comes close to the church when it's working correctly. He said, but that's a big if. That's really the challenge. Every member to find its rightful place in the body of Christ. Doing what it's supposed to do, it builds up, it strengthens the body of Christ. So when we look at the secret of a blessed life, in a church There's a vision, but for the vision to be fulfilled, we need provision. So you'll always see the link between these two, the the provision that's needed and the vision. It's the relationship between the kings and the priests is what the Bible talks about. So I want you to turn with me in your Bible to 2 Samuel 11. When you go to the book of Malachi 3, it says, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there might be food or that there may be provision in my house. So the tithes that we bring, it's for the provision for God's house. 2 Samuel 11 verse 1 says, It happened in the spring of the year at the time when kings go out to battle that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, and they destroyed the people of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David remained at Jerusalem. At the appointed time when kings go out to battle. Where's the battlefield today? It's in the marketplace. Sometimes when you're in business, it is war. Um, people will tell you it's, it's a battle, it's a challenge. The Bible says at the appointed time when kings go out to war, to go conquer, to, to go plunder, to go do their business. It's interesting here that the Bible says David stayed at home. So when it comes to kings, you should be doing what you're supposed to be doing. A matter of fact, it's after this that David actually fell and he sinned committed the sin of adultery because he was not busy with what he was supposed to be busy. But that's a teaching for another day. But we can see here there was a point in time when kings went out to battle. And that's the marketplace for us today. 1 Kings 22. 
So he said to Jehoshaphat, will you go with me to fight at Ramoth Gilead? Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, I am as you are. My people are your people. My horses are your horses. Can you see that this is the kind of relationship that God honors? Mutual trust, mutual commitment, mutual strength that's given from both parties. Also, Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, please inquire for the word of the Lord today. Then the king of Israel gathered the prophets together, about 400 men, and said to them, Shall I go against Ramoth Gilead to fight, or shall I refrain? So they said, Go up, for the Lord will deliver it into the hand of the king. Can you see there was a relationship between the kings and the priests? When the kings went out to battle, the priests would come and pray. Come say, give God's counsel, give advice, give instruction in righteousness in what to do. So there was this relationship, mutual trust, mutual commitment, using your strength to help the other, they're using their strength to help you. Genesis 14. We're just laying a foundation. 14 verse 14. Now when... Abram heard that his brother was taken captive. He armed his 318 trained servants who were born in his own house and went in pursuit as far as Dan. He divided his forces against them by night, and he and his servants attacked them and pursued them as far as Hobah, which is north of Damascus. So he brought back all the goods and also brought back his brother Lot and his goods as well as the women and the people and the king of Sodom went out to meet him in the valley of Shaveh that is the king's valley after his return from the defeat of Loma and the kings who were with him then Melchizedek king of Salem brought out bread and wine he was the priest of God most high and blessed him and said blessed be Abraham of God most high possessor of heaven and earth and blessed be God most high who has delivered your enemies into your hands and he gave him a tithe of all can you see this relationship here the kings gone out to plunder they got Lot, they got Abraham's brother. He said, no, you're not going to get away with this. He went after him, got back, got more back in that um, battle. And when they met together, the kings in the king's valley, he met with Melchizedek. And out of that relationship, he gave a tithe. I want you to see that this was 430 years before the law. This was out of a relationship, not law, you must give your tithe. It was out of a relationship when he had been victorious in this battle. He had conquered, he had plundered of everything that he got, of all, he gave a tithe. That's a relationship between the kings and the priests. I need you like you need me. Turn to the person next to you and say, I need you like you need me. It's very important when it comes to this to know that you run in your lane and let the other person run in his lane. Don't try and do what another person is supposed to do. The grace that God has given you, the calling that God has given you. Remember the previous session we said, God 
gave them power. He empowered his disciples to say, go out, go and heal, go and preach the kingdom, cast out demons. After that, after he had died on the cross again, he said, wait until you've received power. Deuteronomy 8 verse 18 says, God is the one who has given you the power, the ability to obtain wealth, to be successful. So it's the same Holy Spirit that empowers us, but with different anointings. Isaiah says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. So God anoints us. Next week, I'm going to touch on that you're anointed for business. That anointing that you have to be successful in the marketplace. But let me not run, run ahead. Turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Samuel 13. I want to show you something quickly here. 1 Samuel 13 verse 5. Then the Philistines gathered together to fight with Israel. 30,000 chariots and 6,000 horsemen. And people as the sand which is on the seashore in multitudes. And they came up and encamped against Michmash, to the east of Beth-Avon. When the men of Israel saw that they were in danger, for the people were distressed, then the people hid in caves and thickets, in rocks, in holes, and in the pits. And some of the Hebrews crossed over the Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. As for Saul, he was still in Gilgal, and all the people followed him, trembling. Then he waited seven days according to the time set by Samuel, but Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and the people were scattered from him. So Saul said, Bring a burnt offering and peace offering here to me. And he offered the burnt offering. Now it happened as soon as he had finished presenting the burnt offering that Samuel came, and Saul went out to meet him that he might greet him. And Samuel said, What have you done? Saul said, When I saw that the people were scattered from me, and that you did not come within the days appointed, and that the Philistines gathered together at Michmash. Then I said, the Philistines will now come down on me at Gilgal, and I have not made supplications to the Lord. Therefore I felt compelled and offered a burnt offering. And Samuel said to Saul, you have done foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. For now the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be commander over his people because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. I've read a lot, but I want you to see here that there's a relationship between the king and the priest, and the king gets to a place where he says, well, he's not coming. I am now going to bring that offering. I am going to do it myself. And I want you to see that when you get to a place where it's about I, 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 this was not required of him. He said, I have not made supplications to the Lord. Samuel was the one that was supposed to come and do that. And Samuel said to Saul, because you did not honor and obey my kingdom principles, I am not going to honor you anymore to give you your kingdom. Your kingdom will be taken away. You've not been obedient, so because of that disobedience, your kingdom will be taken away. I want you to see here that he never repented. 
There was always an opportunity for him to make right, but he never repented. A matter of fact, he blamed Samuel. He said, you were supposed to be here in seven days, and you didn't come. So when I saw that the people were getting agitated, they were in distress, I thought, okay, let me do it myself. And he did it himself. I want you to take note of the following. From a natural point of view, as he went into battle, God still gave him the victory. So everybody looked at him and saw that he was victorious as the king. They saw that he did what Samuel was supposed to do, and he still had the victory. So everybody from that day could have said, well, I can do what Samuel can do. But the message from God was, I've raised up another one. What you have done is not acceptable. Because God will always look at your heart. You can go study the whole story and you know it. When Samuel said to him, you've been disobedient. You didn't do what you were supposed to do. He said, no, but I did do what I was supposed to do. Whenever you see I, 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 I felt, I said, I, I, I. That's the big danger. We need each other. I have to do what I have to do, and you have to do what you have to do. Samuel had his responsibility, and Saul had his responsibility. Each man had his office that he had to run in. And that's how God intended it from the beginning, that we should be each other's strength. I need you like you need me. Saul got to a place where he said, I don't need Samuel. I'm going to do my own thing now. The danger in that is that he had the victory. So from a natural point of view, you can think, oh, well, here's the fruit. He's got the victory. But the thing is, you were supposed to destroy everything. Remember like in Jericho, God said, destroy everything. Jericho belongs to me. When Samuel came to him, he said, what have you done? Why have you not been obedient? He said, I've been obedient. He said, then why am I hearing the bleating of goats in my ears? If you've been obedient and you have killed everything and brought, he says, you don't understand. Motive again. I've kept the best to bring an offering when you are here. So people will always justify themselves when it comes to these kind of things. But I want to encourage you, honor this relationship that is there. You have your office, and I have my office. Amen. Saul's good future was destroyed upon the rocks of disobedience. God had planned a good future. God wanted to establish his kingdom forever. Remember, we today have been washed by the blood of Jesus. The Bible teaches us that we have become a holy nation. We're this chosen generation. You're a royal priesthood. You've been sanctified by the blood of Jesus. You now can also enter into the holy of holies. You can, you can pray to God. You can communicate with God. You still have your responsibility to pray to God, to see God's face in everything. But God has placed us in this relationship, in the body of Christ, in the church, to be able to work together. Remember, Christ is preparing His 
church, his body for his second coming. So we can never disconnect ourselves from that. You have your responsibility, I have my responsibility. This doesn't mean now that priests don't have any responsibility when it comes to money. You also have a responsibility. That means kings that is providing the provision. That doesn't mean you cannot serve. No, you can be an usher and a businessman. Or you can have your job, your career, and still help in the children's church. Or be involved in something, the gifts that God has placed on the inside of you. Amen? We are all made to enter into the holy of holies, to have a relationship with God. But I think the principle is still there. Kings and priests, do what you have to do as a king. Let the priests do what they have to do as priests. Amen. And let's become each other's strength. I need you like you need me. It's then when we find our rightful place. We all now have the ministry of reconciliation. Reconciling people to God and then relationships to be reconciled. The ministry of reconciliation. Ephesians, I started off with it. Ephesians 4. It says, the fivefold ministry gave some to be apostles, some prophets, pastors, teachers, for the equipping of the saints. So we are here to equip you for the work of the ministry, the ministry of reconciliation. That's everybody's assignment. So even when you're in the marketplace, you're busy with the ministry of reconciliation, reconciling people to Christ. Amen? It's everybody. It's not not just my responsibility to share the gospel. It's everybody's responsibility to share the gospel, the ministry of reconciliation. I think there's, there's more than enough laborers. But in this vision that we have, we need provision. That relationship between the kings and the priest. Galatians 6 verse 2. Bear one another's burdens. The pastor's burdens and the king's burden. And so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one examine his own work, and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For each one shall bear his own load. Let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Can you see that relationship again here? Kings and priests, the one who teaches you how to prosper, how to be successful, how to apply the kingdom principles, the one who is equipping you, when you start experiencing that blessing, share those good things back again. It's that relationship between kings and priests. Let him who has taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches the relationship between the kings and the priests there. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. So in this relationship, we have to be very sensitive. If you look in the book of Acts chapter 5, Ananias and Sapphira, here you have the kings and the priests, the apostles, they're busy preaching the gospel. People are bringing provision for the vision. 
They're bringing provision for the vision. And you see here they are bringing provision, but they are lying about it. They are lying about it. It's not so much that they gave less than what they were supposed to give, but the mere fact that they tried to deceive the Holy Spirit. God still today looks straight into our hearts. When it comes to money, the Bible warns and says that the love of money is the root of all evil. So the sin, or the greatest sin here is not that they gave less. All the money, it was their money. The Bible says they could have given what they wanted. But they opened their hearts for the working of the devil, trying to deceive the Holy Spirit. Let's not have that heart to try and deceive God, but let's be honest in all that we do. Acts 5 verse 3, Peter said to Ananias, Why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourselves? I think when we give an unworthy offering, we are holding back. When we give an unworthy offering, we are holding back. They didn't give what they purposed in their hearts to give or what they were supposed to give. They didn't give according to the will of God. Remember, we as Christians, we are using the word of God as the standard for our lives. This word, everything that we do should be viewed in the light of God's word. When you don't understand the purpose of blessing, when you don't understand the purpose of blessing, you are bound to do foolish things that can cost you your life. Listen to me. When you don't understand the purpose, there they were expanding the gospel. They were preaching the gospel. They were helping people. People were selling land and bringing it for the gospel to be advanced bringing the provision for the vision. It was this. They could do what they wanted to do, but the real sin was in deceiving the Holy Spirit. But when you don't understand the purpose of blessing, you are blessed to be a blessing. The responsible use of blessing, you are bound to do foolish things that will cost you your life. And then people say, why, why, why? Where is God? But these are the biblical principles that we have to apply. Give a worthy offering in that which God has called you to do when you purpose something in your heart. Many of these things that people give, you'll never know if it's something big that they're giving or something small that they're giving. But God will know. Because oftentimes it's what they've purposed in their hearts. We want to sell this and give it to the kingdom. But when you sell it, now you purpose something else. Lord, I promise if you help me with this. These are often times where people step into the traps of the enemy. When you purpose in your heart and say, God, I'm going to bless you, go bless God. When your focus is upon the blessing and not the creator, the blessing will take your focus away from the Creator. Your focus must always be on God and His assignment. 
then even when we give, when we do things to help somebody, you'll see that as an assignment from God. When God has laid something on your heart to do, say you want to help with a vision. Say we need 10 cupcakes to feed people. And you feel in your heart, I want to buy the cupcakes. That then becomes an assignment from God. You're taking it as an assignment from God. You're not failing the 10 people that will eat the cupcakes. But we're number one failing God if we don't fulfill that assignment. And that's what we sometimes try and do. We try and deceive the Holy Spirit. That was the real sin that Ananias and Sapphira committed in Acts chapter 5. Turn to the person next to you say, I'm a generous giver. So always bring a worthy offering to the Lord. Romans 12 verse 6. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministry. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhorting, he who gives with liberality, and he who leads with diligence, and he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Use your gift to the full potential. I want to say that whatever you bring, bring a worthy offering. Bring a worthy offering. What is a worthy offering? A worthy offering is that which is most precious to you. When we talk about, say, giving out time, don't give the time you don't need. Give your best time to God. What do I mean? Sometimes people come to church and they'll say, Lord, I'm coming to give my time to serve, to help. But now you have a meeting. If I don't have the meeting, then I'll give God the time. But if I have the meeting, I'm not giving God the time. Or sometimes the pastor is going on a little bit longer than what you want. So if the pastor doesn't finish up now, I'm going to go. I'm still going to give my offering, but now you put it in the envelope and you say, just, just throw this in or put it there at the back. I have to go. Don't give God the time that you don't need, but give God your very best. That's the responsible use of blessing. Give God your best time. Give God your faith, your strength. When it comes to your money, every good thing that God has given you, that which you've been reaping, give it abundantly back to God. In this relationship between the kings and the priests, the vision, the provision, it's part of our vision for souls to be saved. But to reach out to more people, you need provision to fulfill the vision. And it's there when you partake and become a part of that, whether it's the person preaching and getting people saved or getting people equipped, that's part of your reward because you are bringing the provision to fulfill the vision. And it's there where we become one another's strength to advance the kingdom of God. That is not just up to one person, but to everybody that is part of the body of Christ. I need you with a vision 
by providing provision so that we can advance the kingdom of God. Give your faith, give your time, give your strength, give your money, and make sure that when you give it, that it's a worthy offering unto the Lord. Do everything as unto the Lord. I'm closing with Ecclesiastes 3 verse 10. I've seen the God-given task with which the sons of men are to be occupied. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity in their hearts, except that no one can find out the work that God does from beginning to end. I know that nothing is better for them than to rejoice and to do good in their lives. And also that every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good of all his labor. It is the gift of God. I know whatever God does, it shall be forever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing taken from it. God does it that men should fear before him that which is has already been and what is to be has already been. And God requires an account of what is past. As a team, we are much stronger, more effective. A matter of fact, where there's unity, God demands a blessing. I need you like you need me. My strength to become your strength, but your strength to become my strength. Then it becomes easy when every member finds its rightful place. The body starts to build itself up, edify itself in love. We, with kings and priests in this relationship, should be able to meet each and every need so that the body can be healthy and we can fulfill the God-given vision assignment that we've received from God. Thank you for listening to this audio sermon. For more information, please go to our website, www.hoc.org.za. Household of Christ, loving God, loving people.